0: Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey Facebook, good evening and welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. And in tonight's episode, we're going to talk about five things that your therapists say that tell you they need a little big pop in their lives. So I hope everyone has had a fantastic day. I hope you've had success in whatever areas that you're Working to achieve and meet your goals and meet your dreams, and I hope you've had some breakthroughs. I know that I've done a couple coaching calls today with some parents, and feel like we've had some breakthroughs and definitely getting them on the right road. And so it's actually those calls that I've been doing that actually give me some of the 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 fodder for thought. And it really, what it does is it reminds me of so many of the the challenges and things I've encountered in the field. Over the last 20 years, and so talking to a parent today, it just made me think, you know what? Let's talk about a few things that your therapist may be telling you that should give you pause and should definitely guide you to say, I think you need some big pop in your life. And I say five things because, you know, really, I've got 10. I'm I'm sure I'm going to give you five, but probably got 20 if if I really start ranting on. And I'm going to try not to rant. I feel like in my more wizened years, I've become more patient and a little more thoughtful and a little more mindful and a little more loving. And so um, I'm going to try to express these things gently, gently but they, they are a concern. So the number one biggest thing, and I'll, I won't be like David Letterman and go, you know, all the way from 10, all the way up to the number one main one. I'm just going to give them to you as they come off the top of my head. But one of the first ones that should give you pause when your therapist says, um, your child is beyond help. That, that is probably one of those statements a therapist, when a therapist makes that, you should get up and you should walk out of their office and you shouldn't say a word. I mean, Literally. Don't even say a word. If you ever have a therapist that says to you, we've done everything that we can do for your child, Um, their behaviors are still off the charts, you need to put this child in residential treatment and try to move on with your life, then they are not a very good person. And I hate to say that. I hate to say that. But it is actually, I have heard that statement. And, And sadly, I've heard it multiple times. So I can only imagine that in the true narcissism of that therapist, they think that they know everything and have tried everything and there just is no more hope. But let me tell you something, as long as you're breathing and as long as your child, child is breathing, there is hope. There is possibility. There's opportunities for breakthroughs. And oftentimes you are only degrees away from those breakthroughs. That individual is just at their limits for their ability to help you. So what you can do is you can politely say, I appreciate your opinion. Thank you for the time you spent with our family. Maybe it's been helpful, maybe it's not. Uh wish you the best as you continue on as a therapist, but we will no longer be seeing you. So if you ever hear that from a therapist, run for run for the heels. The number two thing, and this is for parents and this is something I just heard recently. If you take your child to a therapist, it doesn't matter what kind of therapist they are. And I say, I use the word therapist because that's just a word I, I have grown up with. It could be a counselor. It could be a, a coach. It could be, you know, the, they're all the same as far as I'm concerned. They're there to try to help you get to a, a different place. If you hear your therapist say to you, your child is a bad child. They are manipulative and they don't have a conscience. You should quickly escort yourself out of that office because that is an individual who, would know, who again, has probably reached the limits of their understanding and their knowledge. And these are individuals I don't want you saying you need a big pop in your life because at that level, when you get to that level of, of uh, belief for a professional, there's probably not much that you're going to be open to and thinking about. And especially because Big Papa stuff is on a whole different paradigm. So when, when a when a therapist tells you that your child is a bad seed, they're manipulative and they don't have a conscience. And again, they usually will tell you to send them in residential treatment. There's a problem there. Um, you should You should vacate the premises with your child. And look for a second opinion. Ask Big Papa. I'll give you a reference or referral. I know therapists all over the country and I've trained a lot of therapists all over the country. So all you guys have to do is message us and and we can probably connect you with someone. And at the very least, we can connect you with some coaching until we can get with a professional, find a professional in a in a network that will truly be able to support you. There's a third thing that if your therapist tells you, and this is something I heard today, um, if, if, and it's not that they may tell you this, but it's a practice. If your therapist says, leave your child with us, come back in an hour, and we'll work with them, then you're probably already headed down the wrong track. Because let me explain, and I think you probably grasped this by now. As the parent, you are not to blame for your child's problems. The struggles that they have are not your fault. And, and I I'm I'm speaking... You know, for for parents who maybe for biological parents who children they've experienced some kind of birth trauma, or there's some they've experienced some kind of domestic violence, or some car wreck, or some other trauma. For adopted children, you brought them these children into your home, a foster children they come into your home. It is not your fault. You are not to blame. There is no blame that needs to be placed anywhere in the home on you as a parent or anything else. It is about taking responsibility. And as a parent, you are the single most effective catalyst to healing in your child's life. There is no therapist anywhere on this planet that has a greater ability to influence your capacity to create healing for your child than you can. And so when a therapist says, let us work with your child by themselves, then they don't understand family dynamics, they don't understand trauma, and they don't understand the significance of your role in the healing of your child. I stopped working with children by themselves 17 years ago. 17 years ago, and let me tell you how it happened. I saw a therapist in my practice. I, I, start, I had a, I started my first clinic, my first mental health clinic, when I was 25 years old. Within the span of a year, I had 30 therapists. Social workers, counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, and teachers that all worked for me. And I didn't even necessarily know a lot about therapy. I was just beginning to learn about attachment. But I saw a therapist meet a parent in the front office and then take this three year old little girl down the hallway. And my thought was what on earth could he possibly do with that three year old child that is going to be therapeutic? And beneficial when he drops him back off with the parent, when the parent comes and picks him back up. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And and, and I'm saying that with with 100% candor. There is nothing at all that that therapist can do with your small child, with your um, 8-year-old, your 10-year-old. You're 12, 13-year-old. Now, when you start to get the teen years, I do, I do believe it is okay for a therapist to spend a session, a session, one-on-one with a child when they start to hit adolescence because they have some opinions, some beliefs, and some things that oftentimes they don't feel safe to say to the parents or in front of the parents. I feel like therapists can create a framework of that support and that understanding. But I'm saying a single session before the family needs to be a part of the healing. Now, I want you to remember something. If mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. Which means if one member of the family is stressed out, the entire family is stressed. And that's why I stopped diagnosing children. Because if I could give a child in a home a diagnosis, I could reasonably give every member in that family a diagnosis. And so it didn't make sense to just give one child a diagnosis and no one else got a diagnosis. So I just stopped diagnosing altogether. So if your therapist says, let me work with your child and I'll see you later. And they do that more than a session or two. Then you've probably, it's probably someone you need to introduce to Big Papa. So a fourth thing that your therapist may say, I don't see that your child is going to be able to get any better without medication. Unfortunately, we go through mental health professionals go through academic training. In that academic training, you know, if you have a bachelor's degree, it's four years, you have a master's degree, it's a year, two years, you have a PhD, it's another couple years on top of that. Most academics are only academics. Most professors teaching students, most, now there are some, actually have successful clinical practices they've actually been in the trenches but most are just theoreticians they just have these ideas of children they don't actually work with children they don't actually haven't actually done enough of their own work to to have insights that are reflective on personal experiences and these individuals teach many of the therapists that are in the world today and the problem the biggest problem that exists with mental health professionals is they believe once they get the piece of paper, the degree, that their education is over. The reality is, once you get the piece of paper, it is now time to start learning because you really don't get anything in college, especially nothing that's gonna teach you how to be a real, a real therapist. You can get some kind of knowledge, but most of that you can pretty much just wash away. So when you get out of college, and you, you know, if your therapist gets out of college and they think that all of a sudden they, they are now a therapist, oh my gosh. There, there is no level of, of ready qualification at that point. They are just now about to learn what it means to, to, be a, to truly be a therapist, to truly be a counselor. And that's going to come from personal experience. It's going to come from hands on clinical experience and it's going to come from continued education. If your therapist is not a book addict, if they are not a seminar addict, if they, if they are not an audible listening addict, if they are not going to every conference, if they don't have a mentor, if they don't have a supervisor, if they don't have a coach, if they are not expanding themselves daily, and, and I, I'm speaking for personal experience. Um, Jill says, I worked in residential treatment. Um, that is how I acquired my child. I chose to separate from employment because of my philosophical differences with them. My comment as I declined to abandon my child: Um, Yes, okay. Sometimes I can't see. I can't see all of these questions. Um, Oh, that's along with Jill. I'm not going to be able to speak to that one. Um, Angela says my teen foster son will only speak to the therapist if we are not present. He does not know. He does not want us to know his history. That is a perfect comment. That is a perfect comment. When a therapist. Perpetuates a belief that a child, it is okay for a child not to share their pain and their trauma with their family. They are arresting your ability to understand your child. The role of the therapist is to get, build a relationship enough with that teenager so that they can incorporate you and, and then spend enough time with you so they can help you understand that. There's something in your communication with your teen that is preventing them from feeling like you are empathetic and understanding enough and supportive enough to hear their pain. So that is a prime example of how families end up being disempowered. That's not okay. That's a belief system and the therapist presents that to you as if that's okay. It's not okay. You need to be the one who understands your child's pain more than anybody else. And as a parent, if you're not in a place, if you don't have the understanding to connect with your child in a way that helps them feel that support, helps them feel that love, helps them to feel that understanding, that empathy, that desire, that passion you have for them, it's your therapist's responsibility to help you get there, not foster isolated conversations. It's not going to help your relationship nine times out of ten a teen a teen nine times out of ten a teen is not going to go to a therapist, resolve their issues and then come home and be fixed but see that's the impression that gets given and in the process of giving that impression, you as the parent get disempowered so that's a belief system again that I feel like is going to be is going to be not beneficial, and you probably need to encourage them to um have some built, some big pop in their life. Um, I, I'm getting some good questions. I'm getting some some really good questions. Um, Jill says uh, she says I am as academic as verbal linguistic as they come, and I can guarantee you speak to truth one on one with kids and lifelong learning is where it's at. Ab- absolutely. So you're I, I don't I, I don't I don't see I got a little time frame on, on tonight's Daily Dose. When I speak to you about your therapist continuing their learning, here's what, I, here's what I want. Here's what I want you to ask your therapist. I want you to interview your therapist. And if your therapist hasn't heard of Bruce Perry, if they haven't heard of Daniel Goldman, if they haven't heard of Daniel Siegel, if they haven't heard of Bessel van der Kolk, if they haven't heard of Peter Levine, if they haven't heard of Marty Glenn, if they haven't heard of Babat Rothschild, They probably are not up to date from the 90s forward. They are probably operating out of pure cognitive behavioral models modalities. And those modalities lost their real teeth in the 80s. As soon as the decade of the brain came along, and there's so many more. Alan Shore, if they haven't heard of Alan Shore, if they haven't heard of John Bowlby, (laughs) John Bowlby's in the 50s. But cognitive behavioral therapy lost its teeth as a real model for for looking at the core of a person's being, looking at their soul, looking at their pain, looking at their trauma when the decade of the brain came along. So if your therapist isn't contemporary at that level, you're probably not gonna get the support and guidance that you need. You need to introduce them to some big papa or introduce them to those other, because I stand on the shoulders of those individuals. I came along. I had ideas. I had, I, I had experiences. I had per- personal experience. And then the decade of the brain, I, I was, I'm the byproduct of the decade of the brain, understanding the decade of the brain and then putting it into practice and then being in real trenches. So if your therapist isn't at that level, and, and let me tell you, when I was an early clinician, I was obsessed with learning more. Absolutely obsessed. I read every book. I highlighted every book. Big volumes. They've got to want, as a, as a clinician, and I, I only feel like, really the only reason I, I can even have a topic like five things your therapist might say that tells you that you need to be looking at someone different, is because I understand that they're not doing it. So many clinicians are just comfortable stopping where they did in school. They're not trauma-informed. They've, they've read a paper. They're, they're relying on their degrees. And the degree is nothing. It is nothing. You want someone in your home who is working to be the absolute best that they can be. And here's the thing. If you come to me and I reach my limits of what I know and and my intuitive nature as I I tend to be with families and with children, I'm going to refer you out. I'm going to tell you to consider these other things. I'm going to tell you, I don't know. Because my responsibility in your life is to support you and to guide you and to provide you a place where you can come and get reflective learning and reflective answers that help you come to a deeper understanding of the challenges you have. If you're giving me your challenges and I hit my limit, I've got, it is my ethical and moral responsibility to you to say, I don't know. Let me think about that. Let me refer you to this person or this person. Have you considered this? It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop with Big Papa. It doesn't end with Big Papa. This is just a a process in the road. See, my, my whole goal as a clinician has always been to help parents and professionals just to gain an understanding which they can then build on. And ultimately, I believe as the parent, you are the most powerful healing force in the life of your child. So what's another thing? I said five. I think I don't think I've given you five yet. If you're, if you, oh God, this is this is a good one. This is gonna, this is gonna like upset a lot of people. You know, I don't say this to upset anyone. I say this to make you think. Uh, um, if your if your therapist tries to get you to do a point reward chart with your child, they're not gonna get you there. If your therapist is talking to you about consequences and natural consequences, they're not going to get you there. If your therapist is talking to you about isolation, if your therapist is talking to you, and I want to finish that other thought about medication is the only thing, they're not going to get you there. That, so I'm going to tie that that because number four ended with medication. I said if they say this is only medication can help, it's just reaching the limits of their abilities. And instead of telling you that, Instead of saying there are things that you could be doing differently, there are things you should be doing differently, and that just gave me another thought, they're trying to to push the external control out somewhere else. Instead of saying, look, we've got so much more we need to be doing. Look, Big Papa rather run you off. i rather offend you and run you off by encouraging you to look at your own stuff and helping you to see how all the dynamics fit together, as opposed to just pushing your child off to medication. That's not my role. My role is to be as honest with you and as straightforward as I can possibly be. My role is not to blow smoke up your ass. My role is not to be your friend. My role is to love you, but it is to be very honest with you and based on my years of experience, tell you what I'm seeing. And if that's offensive, that's okay. It's just not the time for you and I to work together. But we're not supposed to be friends we could eventually become friends. And I have people I've worked with who are my dearest friends and have been for years now because our work is done. They've moved on. Some of those individuals have become therapists and I love them dearly and we're still great friends. But when we're working together, my responsibility is to be a strong enough, loving enough force in your life to help you overcome the fear. If I get as mired down in the fear as you may be based on some of the things you're dealing with, Who's going to lose? You are. You're going to lose and your child is going to lose. It's not, it's, that's not, that's, that's ethically not where I should be. Ethically and morally, I should refer you to someone else if I can no longer support you. So if I just end on medication or if I just try to give you behavior modification and points and rewards, and, and if, if I'm, if you find this is, so that was number five. If number six, if you find that I am trying to align myself with you, against your child, that therapist needs Big Papa. Right? If that therapist is trying to be your friend, if that therapist is trying to ask you all the bad things your child has done through the week so they can address them with your child, they're not doing you any problems. They're just trying to be the parent. They're turning you into an adolescent. They're not empowering you to be the parent that you need to be. So these are just some things to think about. Um, Thank you, Bethany. And Julie, Julie says, can a child be too traumatized to not be able to access therapy? Can a child be too? No, no, no. A child can never be too traumatized to not be able to access therapy. The therapy has to, has to be flexible around the child. See, if you have a significantly traumatized child, the greatest amount of healing is going to occur in the home and in the relationships in the home. That's where, because when a child is acting out, that's when you are accessing their, their deepest, most wounded place within them. That's when you're in their state level of memory. That's when you're in their brainstem is when they're acting out. When does the majority of acting out happen? It happens in the home. So that's where you've got to be able to meet your child. And that's why the therapist has to empower the parent to see things differently, understand things differently so that when they go home, when they leave the therapist's office where they've been nice and laughing and hugging and having a good time and they start acting out again, the parent's got to be equipped with an understanding to help them make it through. So when I do that, when I do that, I'm able to empower you to reach your child at the level of trauma that they are acting out and opening up and inviting you into. Because ultimately, that's what we're here for. We're here to create healing. So, no, I don't believe a child can ever be so traumatized that you can't access therapy. You just the therapy has to be flexible. Kevin says, "How to help a sixteen become more social and get along with peers?" Sometimes, Kevin, and this is this is important because not all children are capable of having are capable of being really social. He could be naturally introverted. His trauma could could cause him to be more introverted, have more social anxieties. He could be on the autism spectrum. So there could be a couple of different core personality dynamics, or he could just be a child who feels better with one or two friends, right? A child doesn't have to have a bunch of friends and they don't have to be real social with peers because a lot of times the peers are all stressed out kids anyway and you don't even need them to be. You don't want your 16 year old to be social with those peers. Right, a lot of that social influence, that peer influence is not gonna be healthy influence. So if your child can develop one solid friendship during the time that they're in school and three through school, they are going to be just fine. That's all they need. But better than that, better than that, better than that one friend is that your child is friends with you. Your child feels supported, understood, understood, heard nurtured, loved by you. If your child has a social relationship with you, they'll be able to build other relationships with other peers because you're helping them form the foundation. So now, Kevin, if you're a therapist and you're thinking about how to get the 16-year-old more involved with his peers, then you need to start with looking at what is the child's relationship with their parents. Can you first improve the mother-child relationship, the father-child relationship, make that a focus as opposed to the peers. Remember, peer physiology is the same physiology as stress. So if you're thinking about a 16-year-old who doesn't do good with peer interactions, it's because the interactions stress them out and they're probably already stress-sensitive individuals to begin with. So remember, in any given situation, we always have two choices. We can continue to go down the same track the same path that therapists after therapist and psychiatrist and psychiatrist and teacher and preacher and family member have tried to get us to go. We can just keep going down. We can keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. On average, the families that we see at the Post Institute have been through seven years of traditional therapy. And are usually on, the children are usually on three to five different medications. And that, that statistic, those two statistics have held up for 20 years. For 20 years, on average, the families we eventually come in contact with have been in therapy, some form of traditional therapy for seven years, five to seven years and been on three to five different psychiatric medications. The problem with traditional therapy, as I believe, is that it doesn't help children heal. It helps them to grow. It helps them to grow older. It doesn't help them to grow better. And ultimately what you want is to help your child grow better. So you don't have to keep there's another misconception, in ther- therapy misconception, that it takes a long time to build trust with a family, with a child. That's crap. It doesn't take time. It's not about trust. It's about me being able to speak to you at a level that you understand that I understand what I'm talking about. And when I can do that, we can do that in a 30-minute period of time. We can do that in 15 minutes. I can spend a half an hour with a family in a coaching call and give them more breakthroughs than they've received in 10 years of traditional therapy. I can do it. I do it time and time and time and time again, 30 minutes over 10 years. Don't keep beating that dead horse. Don't keep going to that same therapist, trying to get you to do that same thing. Take them a book, tell them they need to join the new parenting revolution. Tell them they need to join the movement. They need to get involved so you can continue doing the same thing or you can stop. You can take three to 10 deep breaths. You can say, this isn't working for us. Would you be interested in looking at some different things? Here, would you be interested in reading this book? We can come and let's talk about it because this is kind of the philosophy we're looking at, we're thinking about, we feel like it matches up with our family. Maybe you could help us work through it. We'd really enjoy that and love that and continue to work with you. Maybe you could go to the Post Institute and look at some of their videos. Maybe you could go see Big Papa on Post Daily Dose. And then maybe we can talk about that. That's choosing love that's choosing to do something different. God bless each and every one of you. This has been a much longer Daily Dose than I expected. There's probably gonna be a follow-up. I appreciate your comments, your questions. I also appreciate that you continue to share the Daily Dose, that you continue to like us, that you continue to give us good feedback. I love you for that, I appreciate it. I wanna reach, reach the world. I wanna reach the world with a message of love-based parenting and relationships, that relationships matter, that love matters, and through that process, we can heal many, 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 many people. So I hope you have a good evening. I hope you lay down tonight, and when you go to sleep, I hope the cells of your body release all the stress from generations that you are carrying because you're carrying that in your DNA. We wanna break the chains. We wanna break the chains of those generations. So I hope that your cells relax, release the cortisol, release the stress, release the trauma. When you wake up in the morning, you're revised, re-energized, reinvigorated, Refreshed, restored, made whole, and ready to make tomorrow a fantastic day. God bless you, Big Papa loves you. See you tomorrow. Join us live on weekdays at six thirty Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book from Fear to Love on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.